Hi, I'm Roxanne Serta, and I'm the Acquisitions Editor for CNT Publishing. I've been acquiring books for nearly 20 years, and the past seven of those have been here at CNT. Through my job, I get the privilege of meeting countless designers, authors, and industry professionals who all do amazing things with their creativity. I'll be bringing some of those quilting and stitching personalities to this podcast to share their amazing stories and insider information. Download the latest episodes and get to know great crafters, learn the backstories behind events and people, and hear funny stories from people living the crafty life. All right, so I'm here today with Suzanne Paquette, the designer behind Atelier 6, in which studio she designs and creates custom memory quilts. And she's the author of Modern Memory Quilts. So Suzanne, thank you so much for taking time this afternoon to chat. Thanks for uh, having me. It's great to be here. Well, and I, I, I really want to kind of lead off with the story of how you and I connected, <laughs> because I had forgotten that it was kind of funny, but I appreciate the reminder. Yeah, so um, I went to my first quilt con in 2014, and I was enjoying the show, and I had signed up for um, a lecture on publishing, uh, which Amy Marson, the publisher, uh, was a panelist on. And so it was a great lecture, and you know, I was interested in eventually writing a book, and it's sort of one of the things that was on my life bucket list, as people say, and, uh, but I didn't have any immediate plans. And so I was walking around the show, and I walked by the CNT booth, and I thought I would just go introduce myself to Amy and I had a, I had made a flyer of my, my memory quilts. And so I went and said hi and we chatted a little bit about the, about um, publishing and, and I gave her one of my cards and she said, Oh, well, are you interested in writing a book? And I said, I said, yeah, eventually, like I didn't really go to QuiltCon with that purpose in mind, but I said that. So I gave Amy my card, my flyer. And I remember thinking at the time that, uh, she, you know, she didn't seem that interested, so it's okay. You know, maybe one day. Um, and then I just kind of forgot about it. And then about a month later, I got an email from you saying, hi, great to meet you. I'm I'm so sorry it took a month to get back to you. And to, to be honest, I can't, I don't remember if we met in person or if you met Amy and she gave me your card. Um, but if you're interested in writing a book, uh, let us know. <laughs> For me, it came out of nowhere and it was obviously very exciting. So I wrote back and said, yes, I'm, for sure, I'm totally interested in writing a book. And so... It just makes me laugh that, you know, what you think somebody is thinking is often not actually the case. It's, it's really just something completely different. I think I actually remember writing that email now that you reminded me of the story, because I feel like it was one where I found a business card in the right. bottom of my folder and thought, oh my gosh, what? What is this? What am I doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've definitely done that. Yes. No, yeah. but it was a really happy accident because we've worked together on this project for a couple of years now and it was really fun. Um, absolutely. Well, and over, over the time that we've worked on, that we worked on the proposal and that worked on developing the book, you've been to a number of shows that I've been to. Um, so we've had a lot of chance to talk. And one of the things that I've always found really fascinating is your work life before quilting. Right. Um, so it would be really cool. Can you tell me a little bit about your background? Like what did you study in school? What was your career before launching your own business? Yeah, sure. It's it's a bit of a, a winding story that all kind of in a weird way leads to memory quilting. But um, I went to university for fashion design. So I studied fashion design at Ryerson in Toronto. Um, and I've sewn pretty much all my life. My mother taught me to sew when I was quite young, like many people. Um, so yeah, so I did my I got my degree in applied arts at Ryerson. 
Um, right after that, I actually, while I was at Ryerson, I actually started my first business. I had a summer business. I'm from Ottawa uh, originally, and I would go home in the summers and uh, I started making hats and I, in Ottawa, there's a, a market in, or sorry, a, like a vendor's market in the, in the downtown area. And um, you can, you basically apply to get a spot and, and I got a spot. So I did that one summer and that kind of really um, started me off on my entrepreneur life. And then um, after school, I worked in theater costume for a while for Broadway and off-Broadway touring shows. Um, and that business by its nature is um, like they hire lots of people and then they lay them off when there's no shows and it sort of goes in and out like that. And that's the, the typical nature of that business. So when I got laid off for, from that work, um, I decided to start my own business. I, I always wanted to have a retail store having studied fashion and um, it's just something I really, you know, again, one of those life bucket list things that I wanted to do. And so I um, I was full on making hats at that point. And I opened a store on Queen Street West in Toronto, which is one of the main shopping areas. Um, and that was great. I always call it my MBA in, in, uh, in retail because <laughs> you learn everything and it's really challenging. Um, but I enjoyed that quite a bit. And during that time, I had studio space in the store and I was making custom hats and everything. And it's actually where Jacqueline Saba, who owns Soquash, and I met. She At the time, she was making hats as well. And she ended up renting space from me and we came, became good friends. And so we sort of um, followed each other over the years and kept in touch and all of that kind of thing. Um, and then when I, I sort of got to the end of that retail experience and at one point I was doing the retail side I was wholesaling my hats and there was just basically too much work and I sort of quickly decided that I needed to focus on one or the other so I decided to focus on wholesaling and that was going fine but I was at the point in my career where I felt like I needed a different opportunity to learn more things um and that's when uh, I started working for Cirque du Soleil. So I moved from Toronto to Montreal, where Cirque is headquartered. And I ended up working with them for 12 years in the, um, in the merchandising department or product. Uh, sorry, I keep thinking of the words in French, which is not going to help mostly anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Consumer products is the other word. Um, so yeah, so I worked with them. I started out as a buyer and product developer for I had a whole bunch of different categories from fine art and craft to toys to uh, like um, souvenirs like keychains and things like that Um, and eventually I I moved through different positions within that department but it was an extremely exciting place to work lots of really talented um, bright people very vibrant place I mean it was just it really was a dream job I mean people for sure were very excited to learn about it and I, I enjoyed it it was hard work um, so yeah, so I spent a lot of time there and really our job in the merchandising department was to take the feelings that people had from going to a show, which were quite emotional and quite, um, you know, people really wanted to hold on to those feelings of how they felt at that show. And we, we tried to take those feelings and put them into actual tangible products that they could bring home. So, so yeah, so I worked there for 12 years and then after that, um, the company was going through a lot of changes and I, I was sort of at the point where I felt like I, I needed to do something different. And that's when I opened up Atelier 6. And around that time, my son was quite young. He was two. And I had, a friend had given me a quilting book. Um, I think it was the, when I was pregnant. Um, it was one of Janice Schmidt's books, her book quilts. And I loved it. And oddly, even though I'd sewn my entire life, I had never made a quilt up to that point. But 
around that same time that I got that book, I also online saw um, some t-shirt memory quilts and I just thought, oh, that's for me. Um, but the ones I saw didn't really excite me on a, an aesthetic level. Um, and so the first quilt I ever made was a, a, a memory quilt of my own design because, of course, because I had the sewing background and pattern making and I had Denise's book that walked me through all the quilting steps. I just thought, oh, well, I'll just jump right in and, and do it. So, uh, yeah. so then, um, yeah, so with when I decided, I, I knew I wanted to be self-employed again. I just felt like after th- or 12 years, it was great and I loved the work, um, and, but it was so intense that I didn't really have time to keep up my own business. And so I decided, that's what I decided to do, custom memory quilts. And that's really where that started. Um, and so I, I did that full time for a few years and a few life changes and different things that were going on um, sort of brought me to the point where I wanted to combine again, working with a company and having my own business, which is when I joined Camelot Fabrics as their marketing director. And I was with them for two years. And that was really great. Um, another view on the, the quilting business um, from a different perspective. And then just this March, I joined Soak, which is Jacqueline's company, um, as their VP of content and strategy. So Jacqueline and I had always said over the years, it'd be great to work together again and and do things together. And the the right opportunity just came up where she needed more help and I was looking for something. And um, and that's what it is. That's where we're at. And now, so I now I do, I work with Soak four days a week and I'm doing my business the rest of the time, which is at minimum one day a week and often a little bit into the weekends and the evenings. And I really like the combination of the two things. Wow. Well, that's, that's a long a story. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it, I always find it really interesting to kind of hear a little bit about how one thing can lead to the other. Um, but I will say that doing your first quilt as um, a t-shirt quilt for anybody <laughs> who hasn't made a t-shirt quilt, that is really quite ambitious. Yeah, and it's it's kind of lucky that it wasn't discouraging and it was successful. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a funny story because I just, I knew I wanted to make a, a quilt with my son's and my husband's clothing. And, and I always have a strong vision of what things should look like. So I just, it was obvious to me that, of course, I would design it myself. And I made it a twin size quilt because why start small? And <laughs> right, and then I felt comfortable with clothing because I've been working with clothing for so long, just in terms of like my fashion design uh, background, and and I was very comfortable. I mean, I'm, the first quilt I made, I cut entirely with scissors because a rotary cutter for me was a very bizarre thing. Like I just never really, even though I'd seen people use them before, I just couldn't understand because in when you train in fashion, you actually learn how to use your scissors to cut very straight lines. <laughs> so that's the way I did it the first time. I totally use a rotary cutter now, so. That was that, but um, but yeah. So I'm making my quilt, and I still I have a Juki industrial machine, so it's it's big and it's powerful, and I love it. But it it can't have a walking foot. It doesn't have the capability to take a walking foot. And so when I went to quilt this quilt, I quilted it on my other domestic machine, which is my very first sewing machine, which is a thirty now it's thirty five year old Kenmore sewing machine. And the throat is, I kid you not, I don't know, I'm putting my hands together here, maybe six inches wide. And I quilted a twin quilt. on <laughs> And it was just like, it's a workout. It's a workout for your upper body trying to roll it up and stuff it through and all that. And I did it and it's fine. But that was pretty much the last time I quilted a quilt that size on that machine. <laughs> I'm actually pretty impressed that it wasn't the last time you made a quilt period. <laughs> Well, what, what was revolutionary for me was that I was so used to making hats that are 3D in shape. Making something flat was like, wow, this is really easy. 
But yeah, I like a challenge. Well, you chose one and fortunately <laughs> it was successful. Um, so in your custom quilting business, um, so how many, I know it's, the answer is going to be different now that your, your business is a little bit smaller, right? Um, but how many custom quilts do you work on at any given time? I, it's a good question. I tend to be somebody that like doesn't start multiple projects at the same time, even for my own work. That being said, um, like right now, what's on my table, so to speak, is I have actually three client quilts in progress, but that's actually three quilts for one person because she has three kids and she wanted to get a quilt made for each of her children. So those are three are moving forward at the same time. Uh, but then I also have six quilts on order, which I haven't, I have the clothing for, but I haven't touched yet. Um, and I've actually got three personal works in progress, which is a lot for me. I typically do one and then pass on to the other one just because I like to see finished results. But yeah. Wow. That's, that is a lot. That's to have it's on a deck. lot. I've actually come to the point where I've sort of put a temporary hold on accepting new orders because it's too long out. And, um, you know, I don't want to get to the point where I'm feeling like I'm just pushing through the quilts because of the nature of them. I really want to give them each the time they deserve. And um, it was starting to become a little bit stressful. So I just decided it would be better for clients and better for me if I just take a little break in accepting new orders. And then when I'm through the ones that I have on order, pick that up again. Well, and so that kind of begs the question, how long does it typically take from the point at which you receive an order to you sending off the finished quilt? Typically, I will say I'll, I'll do it from the time that I receive the clothing because I'll often receive the order. And depending on how much of a procrastinator someone is, sometimes it takes them a while for, me to, for them to send me the clothing, which really starts the progress, but process, gotcha. sorry. But generally, I would say two months of active time. So the person sends me the clothing. And then, yeah, it goes from there back and forth. And by the time they get it delivered. Well, and I know too that um, from the stories you've told me, a lot of the clothing you receive is irreplaceable for a number of reasons. Either yeah. it's somebody's baby clothes or the clothing of somebody who's deceased. So how do you approach designing a quilt that memorializes like a person or a significant event using so, that? Yeah, so... I always start off with a discussion and an interview about the clothes and the person. So usually that's it. If somebody's interested, it depends where they are too. If they're local, then I'll definitely do it in person because it's better. Um, but I, a lot of my orders are from the States or all different places that aren't close to Montreal. So um, usually we'll have a first chat first to just kind of get a sense of what they're looking for. And then once they send me the clothing, we walk through it together. And I always ask people to identify their three most uh, important or favorite pieces, partly so I know what to focus on in the quilt. Uh, and then I usually just have them walk through the clothing with me and tell me about it, because that's usually where the stories come out. And it's an easy entry point, meaning I, you know, because it's often emotional in nature, and especially when it's someone that's that's died, everyone's different, right? It's hard to know how to approach it. But talking about the clothing gives somebody the chance to tell me what they want to tell me. And not tell me what they don't want to tell me. So I get a sense pretty quickly on if there's somebody that likes and needs to share a lot, or if there's somebody that's more reserved and, and doesn't want to do that. And so we'll start with that. Um, and then I'll also help them choose the pattern. Some people know exactly because of what I do for my business to try and streamline the design process and not make it so overwhelming because generally people that contact me are not quilters. They're people that don't quilt and that's why they want somebody else to make it. So I have set patterns that I offer as options. Um, and generally, people will pick from there. So some people know exactly what they want. Other people need help, or we'll talk through it, because the clothing also dictates a little bit which pattern 
is good to use. So yeah, so I mean, that's really how I'll do it. And then different people are different too. Some people have no idea in terms or no preference, I should say, what they what they would like to see. Other people have very specific ideas. I haven't worked with anybody that's been so far that's been extremely directive in what they want. But yeah, it really, it really varies by person. Well, and so does the design ever stump you? I mean, do you ever get clothing and just think, oh my gosh, I, I really, it, it takes a while to figure out the direction? Sometimes. I would say the most challenging part often is just what color story the, the quilt will take. Once in a while, I'll get a set of clothing that's very specifically curated and you tell the person, they're usually a creative person themselves. I mean, they're like, I've done quilts for a few photographers and a few things like that. Anybody that works creatively themselves, often their clothing sort of comes prepackaged in a very nice color palette that works. <laughs> and, but the majority of people, it's just, it's favorite clothing and sentimental clothing. So they don't follow a color palette and they shouldn't, they don't need to. But then my job is to try to figure out how do we make that color palette work? Cause we, I could just take the approach to just, you know, do it however, and that's it. But I like to make sure that my quilts work on a design standpoint, as well as on the, um, the memory side and the sentimental side. So I'll never make a design choice that sacrifices something important on the sentimental side. But at the same time, I don't see the fact that getting a bunch of clothing that doesn't necessarily go at first glance doesn't mean I can find a way to make it work. Well, and the, the process, the whole process is of giving up your quilt or your clothing, I would yeah. think, has to be a little bit difficult. And I know that that how you handle that is kind of unique. So, I mean, would you mind sharing a little bit of how you kind of help people get over that? Yeah, sure. I, it is definitely really difficult for some people, some more than others. Um, and it always depends on the situation. And certainly, but um, he's died again. That's the most challenging. So, um, I mean, I do a few things like I just had a client, actually, I just finished her quilt, and her daughter had passed away when she was 25 from cancer, and, um, you know, and it was fairly recent, so it was really difficult for her to give up the clothing, and when we talked originally, um, you know, I told her what I could do the quilt, and I said, I won't be able to start it for a couple of months, you can leave the clothing here with me if you want, and she actually preferred to take it home, she didn't want to leave it inactive out of her her hands for that long, um, which is totally fine. And I totally understand that. Um, so, yeah, so I kind of let different people guide what they want to do. I had, I talk about it a bit. I can't remember if I talk about it in the book, but one of the projects in the book um, was for a friend of mine, Sophie, and her husband had passed away from melanoma. And she lived here in Quebec and she was actually, um, she had decided a few years after his death to move to Australia, which is where his family's from. So, I went over to her house house to help her. You know, she had left the clothing in his closet. She hadn't touched it. Um, but I went over to help her go through the clothing and, and, and pull out, you know, the pieces that we could use. And for sure, it was a really difficult process for her. She was committed. We took lots of breaks. Um, and it was difficult for me watching as her friend also. But it, at the same time, it was, you know, I think just giving people the space to feel the emotions they're feeling is really usually what works. And then I have a few little, I don't want to call them safeguards, but things I do just to, because it is such a hard process. So when I get all of the clothing for every quilt, I photograph the clothing individually. And it's really because once you start cutting into them and making them into a quilt, they are not going back into that original form. And so if anybody 
after they see the quilt, wishes they, you know, still had a memory of what it, the clothing looked like intact, then we have that. And I will say that, I, I mean, I gave everybody their photos, but I haven't really had ever, knock on wood, anybody that's been disappointed or upset that they did that with the clothing. And in fact, it's often quite the reverse that they're really like that, that client I was just talking about, she actually just came to pick up her quilt from me um, a couple of days ago and she was excited and she was nervous and, but she was so happy to have the quilt. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's an interesting process. Well, and they're not just snapshots either. You do full on staged and styled photography of the clothing pieces, right? I do. I mean, that's changed over time. Certainly that's what I did with my son and husband's clothing at first because I had the extra strong emotional attachment there and it was fun. And I do different things too, depending on um, how many pieces of clothing as well, because it is a business as much as I'd like to spend, you know, oodles amount of time photographing things. I have to be conscious about how much time I'm spending. So if somebody has 50 pieces of clothing, I might take a slightly different approach than somebody that has five pieces of clothing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have um, done things to like make the the clothing photos into a little video. I did that actually. It was really cute. Um, A client contacted me and they wanted a quilt made as a wedding gift. And I got the bride and groom's baby clothing. (laughs) Oh, and it was wow. so cute. And the mothers had written these little notes that they attached to the clothing, like, you know, Brandon's favorite shirt. And like, it was on the Ninja Turtles, I think. He had this little Ninja Turtle shirt and all these really cute little quotes. And so I put together a little video of the clothing with pictures of the quilt at the end. And they played it at their um, their brunch the day after the wedding. And I guess apparently, the you know, the bride was in tears, happy tears, but um, it made quite an impact. So that was really fun to do something like that. So it's different. Every occasion is different. Well, and it sounds like it's a really kind of emotionally up and down business. Um, so how yeah. do you cope with <laughs> that part of the business? I would say, I mean, I'm somebody that I think feels things really deeply, um, which can make it more intense, but at the same time, I'm comfortable with sort of heavy emotions. So yeah, I mean, I just really sort of take the time and and give myself space if I need it. It's not often that I'm working on a quilt. I have worked on some though, um, where uh, it's been very emotional with the loss of somebody. And, um, you know, just thinking about the whole situation um, can be a little bit intense. And sometimes too, sitting with people uh, who have lost someone and going through their clothing for sure. It's an emotional experience. And I'm, I don't know, I'm not a cr- afraid to cry in front of anybody. <laughs> so there's, you know, definitely tears are shed. And I'm only, I'm just careful in those meetings that I don't, I don't want them to feel like they have to comfort me because they don't. It's just that I feel it. And so it, that's the way it comes out. Um, but it, it's really rewarding for me. I really, to be there for people in times like that. And because in the end, are always so grateful and I I feel like I've helped them or given them something that that can help them it's really it's really rewarding so for me I like to do that kind of work and I like to have that much meaning in my everyday work well and so have you ever encountered a project that you felt was just almost too difficult to take on yeah I I mean I I don't shy away from too many things so I don't I wouldn't say that I ever considered not taking it on, but um, shortly after I launched my business and somebody found me, I can't remember how he found me, I think on the internet. And anyways, he was here in Montreal and he contacted me and said, my sister died and my family would like to have some quilts made with her clothing. And I said, okay, great. 
And he said, okay, if you want to come to my mom's apartment, um, we can go through the clothes and, excuse me, and, and, and take it from there. And I was like, okay, great. So I went and their family, there's a family of four, um, two kids and two adults and, and the son and the, the mom and dad were there. And, and the, the, his sister had died 11 years before. So it was, you know, a fair amount of time had passed, but she was 17. She died in a car accident. And it was intense <laughs> because you could see, I mean, for me, it was a lesson immediately on how, I think especially unexpected death and of somebody young in a family can impact the entire family. Just seeing how each person handled it differently. Um, for sure, the mother, um, you know, was still, I think, the most affected by her daughter's death. And so we talked a lot about the clothing. We went through it a lot. They're all lovely. Um, and it, but it was by far the most intense um, emotional experience I've had around quilting. So, so I ended up making four quilts for their family and, you know, it, it was a good process, but, but definitely just, I think seeing the impact on other people really, really challenging and really um, it's hard not to put yourself in their shoes or imagine what it would feel like to be them. So. Wow. And especially so early on in the business. That, <laughs> it's like, that, uh, it's like, welcome. <laughs> this is what it is. And since then, I mean, there's for sure there's been, uh, I think I'm more comfortable with it and just, to be honest, uh, different experiences in my own life that have prepared me to sort of get more comfortable with being uncomfortable um, or, you know, witnessing difficult emotions, I think has prepared me more. But yeah, that was kind of like being thrown in the deep end. Wow. Well, and because I don't want to be Debbie Downer and leave you like all depressed. <laughs> um, so what, what's the happiest quilt you've ever made? Like one that you just were feeling positive the whole time you made it? I think, well, two come to mind. One is still a work in progress. <laughs> but actually, the second quilt I ever started was with my son's baby clothes. And I picked, you know, a selection of clothing just to make a quilt just for me, because I had made the first one for his dad. And um, I'd picked out all neutrals, so white and black clothing. And, and I just, I still, I love that quilt so much, and I, I will finish it. But I love it because I, it just reminds me of so many great moments when he was a baby. And um, and I'll be honest, because it's it's neutral and it's black and white, just working on it for me aesthetically. And because I'm the one that bought the clothing, of course I like it. <laughs> so it's just pleasing for me all around. And then the second one is another quilt in the book. It's the first project actually in the book for Tasha and Isaiah. And um, that quilt was made. Isaiah is Luke, my son Luca's um, best friend from kindergarten. And I have a funny story about how they met, but and when I met Isaiah's mom, because they started having play dates when they were little, she, I mentioned what I did and she said, oh, I, you know, she worked as a early child care educator. And she said, oh, somebody at the daycare, um, they had one made. And when I saw it, I was like, I have to get one of those made. And she's a very sentimental person, much like I am. So we bonded quite quickly over that. And I knew she would be an ultimate um, person for the book. And so when it was time to, because we photographed all of the quilt recipients for the book that align with the projects we photographed them with their quilts and I decided that for Tasha we should do a surprise reveal and so she and her son Isaiah came to the shooting location and we got them set up where we wanted them to sit Vivian the photographer was there getting ready and all set up and I had the quilt sort of hidden away and so we asked them to sit down close their eyes and I draped the quilt on their laps and then you know we counted down it's one two three as soon as they opened their eyes Vivian just started snapping a million photos and it was amazing because, and I knew this would get this reaction, which is kind of why I just decided to do it with them. But 
Tasha's very expressive. And so all these emotions come across her face. And you see a whole bunch of pictures in the book that show all the different emotions and the way her son is reacting. And it is so cute. And it just makes me smile and happy. And she just, yeah, it, it was really fun experience. Oh, that's fun. So to, to kind of not entirely change directions, um, but it occurs to me like that it, it's all very design and collaborative and very emotional, um, but you've run a number of businesses. Um, so what's an aspect to the business of creating custom quilts that most people wouldn't ima- immediately imagine. So, I mean, I'm thinking of here the person who's an experienced culture and thinks, oh, I might be able to do that. Like, what would you tell them to, like, think of or take into account before they dive in? I think one thing that people either don't think about or underestimate is the, I don't want to say the challenge, because it's not always challenge, but the process of how to guide someone else through making design decisions. Um, for a custom quilt, meaning, I mean, you could say, you know, just if you're doing clothing or anything else, like, I'll just do it. And and that's how I work. And you'll get it at the end and surprise. And that's fine. And some people do that. And and some clients are fine with that. But most people want to have some kind of say at different points. And, and if you're not somebody that works in a creative medium, that whole design process can be overwhelming. And, And figuring out how to guide somebody to when they don't really they know what they want but they don't really know what they want can be um, challenging until you figure out a rhythm to do it and so um, yeah I'd say that's something to to think about and and that's why I create sort of parameters to make it less overwhelming I don't just give somebody free reign generally if they want a completely custom quilt that's totally fine Um, and it's a different pricing structure for that because it takes many more hours but generally I most people like to be able to pick from like a a set number of designs and then we go from there and sometimes we'll tweak one of those designs or something but generally if I can give them sort of guidance and parameters and just you know do you like this or do you like that and to read between the lines and what they're saying too because sometimes what people say isn't actually what they want they're actually trying to get at something else and it's sort of developing the skill to be able to read those things. Yeah I would not have actually thought of that first. Um, So have you ever made a quilt, a memory quilt, I mean, without using anyone's clothing? Good question. I don't think so. The only thing that comes to mind is that I did make one quilt with only one little onesie, and that was it. The rest was quilting cotton, and it was um, it was for uh, actually a cousin of mine, and her daughter uh, was pregnant, and she was it was going to be her first grandchild, I think, so she wanted... Um, uh, a quilt made for her future grandchild. And so she got a little onesie that I think said, I love grandma and grandpa or something like that. Aww. It was really cute. So we made a, a, a quilt for the nursery using that one piece. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, you know, thank you so much for taking so much of your afternoon to chat. My pleasure. Um, and so for, for listeners who want to see more of your work, where would they go? So they can go to my website, which is Atelier 6 Design. So it's A-T-E-L-I-E-R-S-I-X-D-E-S-I-G-N. My book, Modern Memory Quilts, uh, there's 12 projects, and it walks you through all the the techniques used for memory quilting as well as um, the projects. And then there's a story for each project as well. Uh, on Instagram, I'm the milliner. So T H E underscore M I L L I N E R. It's a holdover from when I used to make hats. 
And uh, my business Facebook page is Atelier 6 with the same spelling as the website. All right. Well, and so you, your business for you is constantly changing. So what's next? Well, for me, I mean, I'm going to be continue my work with Modern Memory Quilts. I really like making them and I like the experience of, of providing that service for people. And I, I do want to keep pushing it and seeing how I can reinvent the idea of a memory quilt and, and what it is and how it's made. Um, I'm always looking, I sort of with all my string of, of different things that I've done, um, the thread that's sort of gone through it all is that um, the combination of empathy and design works its way into my work. So I'm always looking at new ways to express that and to explore it and do things like that. And one thing on my list is that I'd really love to um, develop and have some modern memory quilt retreats because it's such an emotional um, topic. And I think creating that space to, to do that kind of work um, would be really rewarding, uh, a great service and, and even fun. All right. Well, you know, thank you again. Um, and I'm sure that I will see you soon at an upcoming show. Yes. Thanks so much. Thanks. It's been great talking to you. Thank you again to Suzanne for taking the time to talk with me. I really enjoyed talking with her and I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation. This is the last episode of our first season of Behind the Scenes, so be sure to rate us on iTunes and leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, stay tuned for news about our second season. 